Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I think it's pretty close. Yeah. That's the Stranger Things theme. There, we're going. Good. We're good. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Command Zone podcast. You're watching slash listening this hunk of garbage. My name is Jimmy Wong. Hunk of garbage? How's it? It's Jocelyn Clyde. What's a hunk of garbage? That song? Uh, Yeah, that definitely our rendition of that song, not referring to the podcast. So we may have recorded this weeks ago from when you're watching it because Jimmy uh, went out of town. Still in China. So he's still in China. I'm not and, probably at this um, point, right? I but that was supposed back. to be the Stranger Things theme song and i'm so sad because i haven't watched it yet because it just came out this morning and we had to record all these podcasts it came so. out at midnight last night yeah. and 100 percent people have already finished it and by now when you're watching this i 100 percent have finished it and yeah i hope gonna i be, loved it i'm gonna be 100 percent on that too i want to love it yeah right we all want to love oh, it yeah i'm we gonna just, try really hard to love yeah, it me too me too me okay. too me too so uh, today we're going to be we've got a topic here and it's kind of you know, there's things that we want to talk about or we want to say on the show sometimes, but because they're not quite large enough for an entire show, it can be hard yeah. to sort of fit them in, right? Like, it's easy to do a show about Mana Curve because that's going to take up an entire episode or maybe even more than one. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do a show about, you Man, know, politics or politics, yeah, yeah. card draw or card advantage. But there's a lot of little bits of advice that can be like sort of hard to impart. So we thought that it'd be interesting to just sort of throw those all in. And they're not all related, um, just little piece of ad- pieces of advice uh little tips that you know we can sort of give to i think this is going to probably appeal a little bit more to newer players but i think there'll be some nuggets in there for experienced players as well yep and hopefully be a conversation starter which is what we always hope our shows will be but first let's talk about the sponsors from the show and we actually have a little testimonial tweet coming up here from twitter yeah this is from rathalos soul tasty on twitter it's to jimmy and josh uh, it says, oh, sorry, Josh and Jimmy talk a lot about how Card Kingdom ships inhumanly fast, but it's not all talk. A deck and sleeves in an hour? Unreal. Which means he placed the order and within the hour got the notification that it had been shipped out the door. Yeah, it didn't arrive at his house in the hour. But yeah, but that's how, that's how Card Kingdom rolls. Like, they get the order. There's no lollygagging. As soon as they can, they're mm-hmm. putting it in a box and shipping it out to you. And that's why the stuff gets to people super fast. I mean, we had somebody from like New Zealand tweeted us the other day that they had gotten their stuff in just a couple of days and they were like Jeez. flabbergasted by how fast because you know you assume you're outside the country it's going to take a long time but Card yeah. Kingdom is just that's how quick they are that's a good point actually cardkingdom.com slash command zone very good at a lot of international shipping there are some restrictions but I've had a lot of trouble shipping prizes out internationally before I've had God knows how many packages returned because of addresses and all that Card Kingdom figures it out and they do a great job of doing it so make sure you use our affiliate link cardkingdom.com slash command zone the next time you buy some magic product eight and if you want to buy some other accessories, then you can use our other sponsor, which is Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro makes the Eclipse Sleeves. We talk Plus about Ultra. the gravity dice. They make play mats. They're all the theme stuff. By the time you're watching this, Iconic Masters is almost out, and you can get the uh, Kokusho Sleeves right. deck boxes. They have the play mats for all That's the different printers. Yeah. yeah, we know this because, well, I think in just a couple of days... 
from when you're watching this, Game Nights number 12 is going to come out uh, featuring The Professor and In Wedge Edge. from The Manasaurs. Wow. We're playing Iconic Masters. We're playing uh, a made-up format that we made up, which is sealed multiplayer. Don't worry, though. It feels like a Commander game, so enjoy. And also don't worry, because uh, we recorded multiple episodes with those guys while they're in town, so amazing. there will be a Commander game on Game Nights with those two also uh, sometime in the future. Yeah, so keep your dislikes to yourself. Just kidding. The last way to support the show, patreon.com slash commandzone. Uh, every single week, we shout out one lucky patron to be recognized and honored and thanked on the show. And this week, that person is Vic- Victoria Chom. Thank you. Victoria, you rock. All right, main topic. Let's go right into it so someone can post the time code. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just throwing all the shade right now. <laughs> Here's the time code. You're listening for it. Post okay. it in the comments. Get Main some upvotes. Now. Post it <laughs> for us. Thank you. All right. So random advice. Let's just start right into it. Mm-hmm. These are not necessarily related. Um, the first one is you should consider what new cards and effects have recently been released when building or updating your deck. And by right. this, I mean you can look at mechanics or just sort of themes, and that can oftentimes inform what you need to be putting into your deck because you can kind of judge what what meta shifts are those are going to um sort of be catalysts for I guess. Yeah, and also you can figure out whether or not you can even use a mechanic. For instance, energy came and went and I think a lot of people did big for a commander. Yep. But let's say you had like a random proliferate deck, you know, that is a a mechanic that can be very relevant to you not not necessarily the best mechanic in your deck but it's something that to pay to pay attention to so there's been two things recently that have really when i've been tuning up my decks i've considered one is tribal and the other is the legendary flip lands and specifically the new gaius cradle yeah why not so you knew you know that uh growing rights of itlamok which flips into cradle of itlamok um that's going to just go in a ton of decks. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see a bunch of Gaia's Cradle type effects that you didn't otherwise see. So it's very possible that you want a little bit more targeted land destruction in your deck than you did before. Yeah. You know, because people in a lot of playgroups play can't afford a, ga- a regular Gaia's Cradle. Correct. But a Growing Rights of Illamok, they certainly can. And so where you didn't need a Strip Mine, a Wasteland, a Ghost Quarter, even like you know, a stone rain or some kind of effect like that. Okay, <laughs> Please play, play, stone play stone rain. No, play it, Josh. But something like that may be a consideration or a necessity for your right. deck now where it wasn't before. Uh, I have a big hand up for Star of Extinction, I think is what it's called. Yep. Uh, that card destroys a land and then just does a board wipe. A damage-based board wipe, but 20 and damage. And kills, pl- does it hit Planeswalkers? Too? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a comment. It's coming down. It's knocking out all the dinos, that's for sure. I want to look up the Planeswalker thing so that I don't get into trouble. Yeah, um, I'll keep talking while you look it up. Yeah, I'm pretty vamp, sure it vamp. does. Vamp. Well, the other thing is tribal, right? Yeah, like vampires. So, so, there- <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've been seeing a ton of tribal stuff, not just from uh, Ixalan, but also from the recent Commander, Commander product. Set, yeah, I mean, you can tell that, I, at least I hope that the reason that it's all lined up together is that they wanted to give some more support to one what is i think one of the most popular formats or not formats sorry sort of tr- ways to play magic which tribal is very popular because i think amongst casual and even very indentured fans they really like the idea of playing their favorite tribe and especially when they're going to start spreading the love out towards dinosaurs and a bunch of other new tribes you get crazy cards like that banner, Vanquisher's banner, and then you have all of the new lands that, for instance, you saw them in the last game nights. Like, there's a ton of good stuff now. Pretty exciting. Uh, this just in: Star of Extinction, twenty damage to each creature and each planeswalker. That's right. Woo, so we got that right. If a comet hits a plane, no one can hide in plain sight. Yeah. Especially the planeswalkers. <laughs> well, I guess they could planeswalk out of there. That's but true. By doing so, they also just they're die, off the battlefield. Right? They're off the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's unclear whether they die or they just leave, but they're gone. They're not on your battlefield. Um, The other thing I would say about tribal is when considering effects to put in your deck, you know, there's a lot of tribal stuff out there right now in the world of Commander, so it might be a time when Coat of Arms is not a great card that you want to play. You might want to play something, you know, a different card that has a similar effect. Uh, The go-to is kind of Crater Hoof Behemoth, but Triumph of the Horde. In different colors, maybe there's something else, but... Coat of Arms is very likely to help your opponent. Mm-hmm. So that might be something that you take out. There's also cards like Isn't Extinction. Isn't Mana Echo's effect everyone too? 
Mana Echoes, I don't know, maybe? Might would just be you. Look, yeah. I don't have my card database in front of me, but there are a lot of universal effects, especially when it Maybe comes it to tribal. Simple. And that's why, you know, actually, I would really recommend people go back and listen to that Jason Ald episode. In fact, listen to every Jason Ald episode we've ever done. The guy's a prophet. Everything he talks about pretty much comes true. Whenever a creature comes into play, you may add one... Is that the Oracle? Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, yeah. you may add an amount of colorless to you, but you only add it to your, your mana pool equal to the number of creatures you control that oh, share a creature you. type with it. So if you're playing goblin, somebody else plays a goblin, then you'd get mana. <laughs> Just a random goblin mana. Yeah, for each goblin you've got. Um, but it doesn't help them. No. Uh, there's a card, Extinction, which you choose a creature type and destroy all creatures of that type. Right. That might be a card you now put in where you wouldn't before because you have a chance of just destroying one player and not hitting any of your stuff about being one-sided. And I think yeah. that card's close to playable because a lot of times you maybe just destroy two you know, things. Yeah. There's a new blackboard wipe, too, that you get to choose a tribe and destroy every other creature that doesn't share a type with yeah, it. Yeah, Kindred. Kindred Discovery, I think. Dominance. No, dominance, yeah. The black one, yeah. So definitely, yeah, pay attention to the board wipes that come out because stuff like In Garrick's Wake came out in M15, and every time that card is played, it's a beating because... If your deck it's only, is, it, it's only, yeah, your creatures stay alive, everyone else's creatures die. And we all know that those kinds of cards are very powerful. For instance, oh, I don't know, Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. That's cards like on that level that basically save your stuff and destroy everything else's. Uh, Vandal Blast. So cards like that, you always want to pay attention. Yeah, so I would say that, like, we don't know what's coming up in Magic, but we've got Iconic Masters coming up. Um, after Rivals that will be Rivals of Ixalan, which will probably still be Tribal. And then another 25th anniversary but, celebration. you know, a year ago, maybe, um, we might have been thinking about a lot of things that affect artifacts. So you might want to, because of Kaladesh. Right. And that was an artifact set. And that might have been a moment when the meta is shifting more towards artifacts. And maybe you want to put more Vandal Blasts in your deck now. And you want to... Can I have multiple copies of Vandal Blast in my deck? <laughs> yeah, That'd I have great. it in all. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a bad uh, example because you've already got that in there. But I do sort well, of, yeah. as I've been tuning up my decks and thinking about things, that's something I've been thinking about, which is like, okay... I do the normal stuff, and then near the end, I sort of think, okay, but what is popular right now that I can sort of skew towards, you know, that I can think about and go like, oh, well, I'm likely to run into more tribal decks. How does that yeah. change my deck? And it's usually only a couple of cards, but it's something that I think you can think about. And this also definitely helps budget builders, because if you're looking to play a powerful deck and they just released a lot of support for one thing, then you're going to be able to get those cards a lot more easily uh, than if it was, for instance, a very, like, for instance, Planeswalker decks are just hard to make because you need stuff like doubling season. And those cards are old and they're yeah. expensive. And yeah. Planeswalkers are expensive. But if you wanted to get into tribal right now, you could build all sorts of powerful tribal decks. Not to mention, I think people in general, when they start playing commander, build a lot of decks around that period of time and then stop building them. So... If you're someone that jumps in more sporadically, you're going to find a lot more wealth of diversity between your decks. And that's something that Game Nights has taught us is that by having to build around a new set or around a new commander, it sort of challenges you to both play with the cards and the new sets that interact with it. And you find that like you can make a very powerful deck without having to go to build the Hermit Druids you know, of the world. <laughs> Damn that Hermit Druid. It's a good card. It's a good card. All right. Second piece of random advice. Is from uh, one of our our friends on Twitter, Sweet, Sweet Bit. Bit. Hey, buddy, tweets at us a lot. Uh, had an interesting statement. Said if a card name begins with "tempt with," don't be tempted. It's a very good point, actually. Those cards were built to benefit the person that cast them the most. And you need especially to especially one of them that we'll talk about. Yeah, and you need to sort of immediately start to politic with the other players and try and get them. You know, if you can say like, "Listen, I won't take it if you don't take it." Mm -hmm. And so the person, because usually if the person only gets one thing with the tempt with cards, and the big ones tempt with discovery. Yeah, because you can get any land, any land. Ugh. Yeah, so that is one where, you know, I think we've and we've been guilty of this too where i'm getting a land and as soon as one person does the other people are like well i'm, I'm getting a land. land yeah the problem is is that you only need one person that actually needs that land to get everyone else to jump on that train for instance if you're a mono black deck and someone plays temp with discovery if you say no to that you're an insane person yeah true because, because you, you have, only have to go get cabal coffers cabal coffers are herborg right yeah. like you have so many good hits yeah um or if you're like you don't have your colors like how are you going to say no to that then my backup plan if somebody if i can't get the you know, the rest of the players to not be tempted is to go get strip mine. Yeah. Or tell everyone to get strip mine. Yeah. And then just point it at the person. Yeah. That that's what you get. But at the very least, whatever they're getting, they probably have one that's sort of the best case scenario for them. And you can strip mine away that one thing to sort of stop whatever the quote unquote combo is, you know, because mm -hmm. you, you can't have two cabal coffers in your 
deck, they're right. got they're only going to put one out, and Strip Mine takes care of the one. And then after that, it sort of doesn't matter what else they got. Maybe if that's what they're getting, you know. Unless yeah, of course, there's other awesome lands. But if Guy's Cradle, then you get you get rid of yeah, that. And yeah. Blah blah blah. Um, Strip Mine's actually I didn't, didn't really even think about that, but that's a very good choice for. Yeah, you could get Wasteland too, probably because they're gonna whatever they're gonna get is not gonna be a basic land, so they yeah. sort of do the same thing. Um, this brings me to an interesting little piece of advice, and this one's from Sean Watson from Commanderin. Hey guys, uh, at GP Vegas, he, we kind of were in the middle of a game, and and this scenario came up. Um, and so the question here is: if you're given the choice, do you take out Urborg or Cabal Coffers? I agree with what Sean said. Yeah. Uh, so Sean said that you should take out Urborg. I took out Cabal Coffers, which it was I think was wrong, and Sean sort of explained it to me. I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's explain the cards really fast. Yeah. Urborg, Term of Yogmoth, is a legendary land that says all lands are swamps in addition to their other types. So this includes your opponents, right? So it's yeah. another, it's a universal effect. And then Cabal Coffers is a land that you pay two and tap it and add black to your mana pool for each swamp you control. So together, it gives you a lot of mana. Yeah, if you have, say, nine lands out, you and one's Urborg and one's Cabal Coffers, Urborg makes all your nine land swamps doesn't matter what else they are they're also swamps so cabal coffers you pay two and tap it and that makes nine black mana right so for three mana you make nine and then you have another six six lands so you can make 15 mana yeah and that just goes up the more lands that you have Mm -hmm. um so my knee-jerk reaction was to get rid of coffers because that feels like the thing that's making a ton of mana the thing is if you get rid of urborg it not only turns off the cabal coffers I mean, it depends. If they're mono black, I think you got to get rid of Cabal Coffers. But if they're not, then like, let's say you have nine lands, but only four of them are swamps. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Coffers is not very efficient because if you tap two and tap the Coffers, you're paying three mana to get four mana. You only better, get one. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's better than not having that at all. But, but it's not that bad for you. It's yeah, not like game breaking. Yeah, you still get a little benefit. Yeah. Not to mention sometimes, and this happens more rarely than I think, Urborg helps other players out. Well, I think if you get if you leave the Urborg, get rid of the Coffers, Urborg's still a land that taps for mana. If you get rid of the Urborg and leave the Coffers, Coffers itself does nothing. It doesn't tap for mana without Urborg out. Well, it still taps. So you have to just pay two and tap it. That's only if you have more swamps than enough. You can't yeah. use it. You know I would I mean? assume, though, that you're not playing Cabal Coffers unless you're in a two-color deck or one-color deck. But it's, there's a lot of points in the game where Cabal Coffers doesn't actually net you mana. You have to be above seven mana. Right. For sh- I mean, if it's 50-50, you have to have at least four lands out mm-hmm. of that color. So yeah, Sean's point was get rid of Urborg because Cabal Coffers by itself is not that powerful without it. Whereas Urborg's a little bit better Yeah. You know, by itself than, than, uh, than Coffers is. So... Both good points, though. Yeah. I could see it going either way. And again, depending on the board state, depending on the player and their deck and their general power level. You kind of got to depend on the other players in the game. If you know the person's trying to exsanguinate you out, I think you have an easier choice. You know, if you know that they're trying to use their mana to the max, and it's not like I'm going to play five things, I just want to play one big X spell. It Mm -hmm. might change my decision a little bit there. I mean, it depends on how many swamps they have. Yeah, true. But I think most of the time, Urborg is the right choice. Um, All right. Number four, speaking of choice, someone on Twitter, and I forget who this was, says, all things being equal, attack the player with black that has black as a primary color. Jeez, we're just rallying against black in the color power right now, huh? Per Orborg's getting destroyed. And that's a good point, though. Yeah, this I hadn't really thought about this, but somebody said this on Twitter, and their reasoning was that black is the color most likely to use its life as a resource for like other stuff. Pay life to draw cards... Mostly pay life to draw cards, but a lot of times Black's effects sort of cost life. There's some cards yeah. that like put plus one, plus one counters on stuff, but you got to pay some life, things like that. There's only one from Black, and it's a Mamarchesa deck. Yeah, but, that's, but you're right. that's sort of how Black works. It's yeah. like, you know, you got you to gotta pay a little bit of blood in addition to some mana, but you can do a lot of different things. And so that was this person's point was like, so if I'm deciding sort of who to attack and I have multiple choices, a lot of times I'm going to attack the player where black is sort of a heavy part of their deck because they're more likely that's more likely to sort of crimp them on another resource that they need right and the key phrase here is all things being equal yes uh but of course things are never equal in magic i think sometimes early on you gotta yeah you know you got an early creature and you have a choice it's true though like if i if i'm playing my marchesa deck and i'm already losing a ton of life to stuff if people start attacking me too it quickly hampers my ability to when i look at my hand all of a sudden well i can't attack anymore because i need to I, even if i can get the dethrone trigger i can't leave myself open 
I can't play that uh, that enchantment that gives plus one plus one counters because it costs three life each time. So there's a yeah, lot of different reasons. I can't reasons. activate it now. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like a Vona deck, think about that. Like, it's, yes. Vona's great, right? But it costs seven life. So you have to have enough life to be able to activate it. Otherwise, you can't even use it. Like, yeah. once you're at, like, 14, can you even really tap her? No. So it's counting on having life available to it as a resource, and taking some of that away can be powerful. Yeah. Um, or just all things being equal, attack the Aloro deck. How about that? <laughs> Random bit of advice number five is play board maintainers is what maintainers. they call them. So containers, maintainers. We're always advocating board wipes, right? We're talking yeah. about running four to five of them in every single deck. And I think to combat that, decks that, and these are for decks that want to maintain their board position, specifically creatures most of the time. Yeah. There are now a lot of cards that kind of allow you to maintain your board and... You know, we've talked about some in the past. Gaddock Teague's a good one. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because that just makes board wipes so that your opponents have a real hard time casting any board wipes. There's a few that get through it, but not that many. Not just board wipes, just things in general. Yeah. You know? It maintains your board. It's hard for them to do much. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because so many spells get turned off because Gaddock Teague won't allow them to cast uh, non-creatures that cost four or more. Void or spells at all. Void Winner is a good one. Turns out like half of their stuff. It's expensive though. It's hard to sort of hold that up. Or yeah, it's true. I it. mean, but here's the thing: it every time it gets played, I've never been. I've never been in a table where people go, "Nah, okay." Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, void." Uh, yeah, they can't play anything. Yeah. Like, if could you imagine, right? If let's say we're playing in an online game and everyone had little digital hands in front of them, and every, when you played Void Winner, you could see like cards and hands go gray. Yeah. It would be you Half would play that cards. game all. Yeah. You would play that card way more because you would just see everyone's hands go, brr, you know, and turn off. And their commanders even cards on the battlefield. There's a lot of things that that card affects. We should say Void Winner says that your opponents can't cast spells with even converted mana cost. So yeah, and can't attack with or can't block. With can't creatures, block with creatures with, with ever, even. Yeah, even, it can't even basically read the card. It's it always confusing. Things, not basically, what things. happens every time Void Winner is played, same pattern of behavior. Everyone goes, oh wait, hold on, and everyone takes their turn reading it and equally gives their own grunts of disapproval based on how their hand or deck reacts to it or they go ah i mean it's i guess it's okay it's your opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana cost that does come up sometimes um a new one i really have been impressed with it's we've seen it in play a couple of times now is revel in riches revel in it it's and i don't think playing this card with the thought I mean, it's fine to have it in there with, like, I'm going to play it, and then maybe the next turn I board wipe, and then I just happen to get 10 treasures and win. Mm-hmm. Revel and Riches has two effects. If you ever have 10 treasures at the beginning of your, your upkeep, you win. And anytime a creature in opponent control dies, you get a treasure. So there's a lot of times on board states where there's enough creatures that if somebody board wiped, it would give you 10 treasure, and you would win. Well, think of what that does. If you want to maintain your board, and you put out a Revel and Riches... Well, now Supreme Verdict doesn't solve somebody's problem because it makes you... They're like, you got a ton of creatures. You're going to win. Yeah. But if I play Supreme Verdict, you're yeah. going to get a million token treasure tokens and you're going to win. Gonna win. Yeah. So we've seen that be sort of a big stop sign in decks. I think Revel and Riches in black decks that are creature heavy is going to start to be sort of a staple type card. It's, yeah, especially because black has many of the best board wipes in the game. Um, it was an instant remove the last time I played it, right? Yeah. Like, you just had to get it out of there. Otherwise, it's just going to pose a huge threat and issue. It's so much calculating you have to do, too. Okay, I want to do this thing, but if I do that, does that make Jimmy win? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's super scary. I mean, you saw it happen when uh, when Christine played it yeah. on Game Nights as well, because it really does change the things a lot, you know? It's, it's a very interesting card. And at the very least, you just get incidental value off of other people's creatures dying. So... If you know you're in a very creature-heavy meta, even with board wipes that maybe only put you to three or five treasures or whatever, I think that card is still worth an inclusion in a lot of decks that want to either ramp or have an alternative win condition. And I normally hate cards, Josh, that say you win the game on them. But Revel and Riches is one that I will make an exception for. I like it because I think you can play it without that being the, your entire game plan. Yeah, Your game plan is still your game plan. But what that's doing is stopping them from stopping your game plan because by doing that, they make you win in a different way. Yeah. Um, here's another one I've started to play, and this was again somebody had suggested a, a while ago on Twitter. Um, it's Joel Rail, Empress of Beasts. This is a five mana three three green creature. It's a legendary creature. It says you can pa- tap two in a green and tap Joel Rail, discard two cards, and then until end of turn, all lands target player controls are three three creatures that are still lands. Yeah. So here's another what I would call board maintainer because you can threaten. If you board wipe, Armageddon someone. If you board wipe, I'll turn all your lands into creatures, and you'll lose all your lands. That's a good point. So as soon as Joel Rail is active, 
you just can leave that amount of open of mana open and you're basically gonna just anybody that board wipes all your lands are gonna be gone because they're gonna be creatures yeah and that and you're in green and green is the color that really wants to fill the board with creatures and doesn't have a great way necessarily to protect them so that yeah, can really it has help. like one-off spells to make them indestructible or whatever but it's not where you want to be i'd much rather hold up something like Jorael because that is brutal i mean can you imagine you've got supreme verdict or wrath of god or i mean you can even use that as targeted like hey x person is going off look they really cannot be allowed to continue doing this and so Jorael, if someone does board wipe you can team up with someone too i've seen this happen a lot of times against arch enemy players not with this interaction specifically but we let's choke his resources let's yeah. make sure that they can't do x y and z and jorio is another really fun way to not fun really interesting way to do that <laughs> i think though that this is something people don't play enough and you don't see enough which is people extend and they get in a good position and then they don't have that card that sort of locks that position in for them yeah. makes it so that like i've gotten here and now i'm gonna put something down that stops what would would allow people to to sort of you know knock me down back down to the stone age or whatever that's why everyone should play dictate of erebos that's another board maintainer in a different way where people just will not play creatures they'll figure out other things to do but if you're a creature-based strategy and you have ways to sack creatures especially again in black oof tough life <laughs> hope no one's playing voltron all right now we're on to a totally different piece of advice because this is what this episode is about it's not related to anything we've just talked about um but this is a sort of a mistake and I don't know, just something I see constantly from newer players, not just to Commander, just to Magic in general. And you, there's exceptions to this rule, and there's going to be people that be like, you know, you don't always do that. And of course, you don't always do that. But when in doubt, use all of your mana. This is a really big one, and I think most sort of newer players or inexperienced players would improve quite a bit by just following this as a rule for a while yeah. until you get sort of good enough to understand when not to. And how to sandbag another episode we've created. Yeah, I think there definitely commander sort of lends itself to we call it sandbagging. That's like holding cards back that you could play but choosing not to play them. Um, lends itself to that more than other formats. But at the same time, there's very often times where I'm watching sort of less experienced players play, and you know they're just not playing all the cards that they can. They're not mm -hmm. using all of their mana, and it's really hurting them in the long run. So wasted mana is sort of a wasted opportunity. And by this, I mean when like you've got seven mana available to you, and you pay, play a five drop, and you just leave two mana, and you can't use it. And then the next turn, you do something similar in the next turn. And over the course of those three turns, you cost yourself six mana, and you could be behind a, you know, a, a significant portion, which is an entire card, mm -hmm. which in you know, six mana is an entire turn, kind of. Yeah. So there's two ways to sort of do this. One is, one is to make sure you use all your mana. And by two ways, I mean there's two choices you often have. You often have, like, I can play one big spell or two medium spells. Mm -hmm. When you're in that choice, I think you should, again, when you're newer, always play the one big spell. And here's the reason why. If you have a choice between a five CMC spell or a two and a three CMC spell, right? You have five mana. Mm hmm if you play the two and the three CMC spell, then you draw your next card for turn and it's a two drop. You you can't mix that together. With the five. You yeah. don't have the choices. If you play the five now, whatever you draw next turn, you can mix it with the three drop, the two drop, or what you drew right. and play it. And so having the versatility of two small spells in your hand gives you sort of more choices later. And again... Right listen all of this is like there's a lot of exceptions right <laughs> this one there's more exceptions than most but when all things are equal when in doubt when you don't know yeah. what's correct air towards i think this play sequencing will help you a lot the biggest exception i can think of is usually just if it's like two mana rocks instead yeah you know but and yeah. we should talk about that your your normal play pattern and we've never said this on the show and i think because we assume people know it your normal play pattern in commander is to ramp early into bigger stuff yeah. So you don't... And refill. Yeah. And I think most people know this, but just in case you've never really been subjected to that philosophy, you want to get your mana rocks early so that later you can cast multiple spells in a turn to catch up. So think of it like if I get a mana rock out on turn two and turn three and turn four, then on turn five, six, and seven, I'm actually casting twice as much stuff. So I get... I not only catch up to what I would have had if I played those... If I didn't play those mana rocks, right. I have more stuff out later I'm, I'm more explosive so 
Yeah. Just it's got funny that we've never said that. Yeah, I think we have, I mean, we've talked about how important it is to ramp early so that you can do more in one turn. We haven't really talked about the idea of casting three to four spells in the turn usually means you're on your path to winning the game, though. Yeah. And I think. And ramp gets you to the point where you can do that because. It's just hard to visualize because it's like, well, I could cast like a bunch of two drops. How's that going to make me win the game? But it's more like I'm going to do X and then do the thing that you say, which is like have the protection to do it or have this, this sort of the, the follow through punch, right? Yeah. Like just going up to someone and socking them isn't going to do much but if you can land like a three hit combo you have a much better chance of laying that person out and i'm not advocating for violence i'm talking about specifically He's talking about street spells combo yeah i'm talking about combos that's and like then, tekken actually and then there's the combo breakers which are counter spells yep. void mage hushers yeah <laughs> gaddick teagues yeah maintainers Oh, I guess you got to flash him in for that to work. Yes. Uh, here's number seven, the quick tip that we have uh, espoused on the show and I have yet to truly follow, which is lower your mana curve. Lower it. Lower it. Lower it. Even though we just talked about playing ramp spells to play bigger spells, still lower it. Yep. And if not, and if not necessarily lowering it, take cards out of the upper spots and adding cards in the lower spot. But that's lowering your mana curve. By lowering your mana curve, it's just Some people overall. might think everything, yeah, shift it down, take your yeah. nine drops out. We're not saying that. Lower your mana curve so that more weight is on the lower, lower end of take the Take some of your nine drops out. Yeah. Because think of what we just said, talking about ramping into bigger stuff. We didn't say, I want to ramp into a 12 drop. No, mm-hmm. I want to ramp into three spells in a turn. Yeah. I want to cut, 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 cut combo. You know, I want to play a four drop, a five drop, and then a two drop that locks everything down. You know, so... Lower your mana curve. I guarantee that this will make your deck so much better. Lowering your mana curve is a huge thing. Just being able to do stuff earlier in the game and then later making up for for the fact that your stuff costs less by doing two or three things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if you built your deck right, the synergy of doing those two and three things are much better than a singular threat that could easily be removed or, you know, with single target removal, essentially. Yeah, good point. Like, you don't play, like, a Blightsteel Colossus and then somebody paths it. that You you just lost, you know, like, 11 mana to somebody that way. I'm not saying don't ever play Blightsteel. But you want to play it in the same turn that you play a Lightning Greaves. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just play it and then cross your fingers. And the way you play it is you want to be able to play, like, a Haste Enabler and an Elvish Piper and then Blightsteel. You know what I mean? Like, there are better ways, and the way to get to that is by having enough card draw in your deck so that you get there. Yeah, exactly. sort of the relying on, like, I just ramped a bunch, now I'm going to play my big thing and then hope it doesn't get countered or stopped, the feel bads you're going to get from that are going to be more consistent and just way, happen just way more and make you feel worse as a whole. But it feels like I played three things, they got rid of one, but that my part of my engine is still alive. That's a better situation to be in. Lower your curve. Okay, this is a good broad one. I've noticed that... Uh, I don't want to talk about this one. As tuning, I've been tuning my decks recently, and one of the things I noticed is that there's a real tendency, because you... New cards come out, and mm-hmm. you're like, this card's perfect for this deck. And then you look at it, and you're looking through that deck, and you're like, well, what do I take out? Everything is so good. Everything's I've, good. I already tuned this. I did that process. Yeah, but uh, this card seems really good. And then a lot of times, what do we all do? We all do it. You're like, well, well I'm just going to take out one land. Yeah. And I'll put in the card. And now it's fine. It's fine. You Over the tuning process over like a year, or maybe, you know, depending on how often you tune, you might have taken out two or three lands from your deck. And I noticed, I was like, man, all my decks are running pretty low on lands. So this piece of advice is play more lands. A lot more. Yeah. Two well, or th- not a lot more. I'd say two or three more than you're playing. Right now, in most of my decks, I'm between 36 and 37 and maybe like five or six rocks. I'd say in general, it's like two to three rocks equal one land, depending on the size of the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to push it up all the time. 38 lands, I think, is fine. Definitely err on the side of too many lands rather than too few. Yeah. It's just a better place to be. And honestly, if you're like, man, I really wish I could play that card, then just go back and take out the card that underperformed the last time you played and replace it with that one. Like, you can do those one-for-one subtractions, but don't do like, hmm, well, I want to play all the cards. Let me just take out this basic. I have five of them anyway, so why, you know, why not? It can be really tough to sort of understand how a lower land count is making you lose because it's not always like oh, your mana screwed. Oh, it's not hard to see. Well, it's okay. not In always my case, like it's that. Not mana screwed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It can be tough because missing your seventh land drop. Yeah. Missing your ninth land drop. That doesn't. It just doesn't raise the alarm. It doesn't show up on the radar. But that can be a reason why you're falling behind in games is because mm-hmm. not in the early game you're not getting totally mana screwed. You're still playing things, but you just you trip a couple of times somewhere around turn seven through 10. And now all of a sudden you're just a couple mana behind for a few turns. And that can be big. It's the same as wasting your mana. You just that you didn't hit your land drop. Um, 
So there have been so many times now where I look at my hand and go three, five, nine, and then look at my lands and go seven. Yeah. Like, geez, if I hit land drops every single turn or if I had a little more ramp to make sure I did it, then I'd be fine. But yeah, you want to play multiple spells and having more lands is going to help you out there. Or you just want to play expropriate, but it costs nine. Yeah, that's pretty cheap for what it does. <laughs> it's broken. Um, okay, this is a good one. Consider your opponent's perspective. And by that, there's a lot of things that this helps you with. But one of the main things I think, and I think that people don't do enough, is sort of become aware of how scary you are to them Mm -hmm. and what your scary cards are to them. So something I try and do during the game is put myself into Jimmy's seat or, you know, Ashlyn's seat or Sprinkle's seat and say, okay, well, I've got their board state. I don't know their hand, obviously, but you can still do this without knowing it. If I'm them right now, looking around the table, what worries me? Yeah. And specifically from Josh, what threat level do I have him at? Do I have him at the biggest threat that I've got to super be worried about? Do I have him, you know? And that will help you with how you play because there's a lot of times where you're near the precipice and you could easily push yourself up to the top threat level. And those are times where you, you know, I'm sort of countermanding some of the earlier advice, but those are times where you might decide to hold back because it might not be worth it to become the biggest threat because you're not equipped to handle becoming the biggest threat at that moment. Yeah, Like if you are just going to tap out for something and hope that the turn order gets back to you without things significantly being different by the time it gets back to you, then you're just putting yourself in a really bad position. That's why having a card like Glenelendra um, or even like a dictate with a sack outlet or whatever, or even just counterspell, those kinds of protections will help you take the throne. If you watch Game of Thrones, you know that no one that's taking the throne is just willy-nilly sauntering up there and thinking it's going to be all gravy when they get there. There's a lot of adversity, especially. There's a lot of setup, too. Yeah, a lot of setup. And it's also so easy in a game where no one's trying to make enemies necessarily to, to be like, oh, that person's clearly winning. Hey, hey, I mean, let's all agree. And then the person that's clearly winning has a very bad argument to try and get out of that, too. So it's... It's easy to gang up on the leader. I also think it can help you with deciding which cards in your hand to play or not play. Like, yeah. you're like, if you know, you suddenly put yourself in another player's position and you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't play aura shards right now mm-hmm. because that's going to be super scary to them. Whereas if I play this other thing, it's a creature, they got a maze of it, they're not going to be worried. And so I can get that out there and it doesn't raise any hackles. Nobody goes, wait a minute, let's reassess how dangerous this person is. They go, ah, it's a creature, right. I'm not that worried. So you and and then you can play. It's not that you never play aura shards. You just play it at a time where you're already at sort of battling that person, or you can immediately follow it up and use it, stuff like that. So I think that looking from their perspective can really help you decide which cards to play, and sort of you can manage your own threat level a little bit. Yeah, and, and you're gonna be wrong sometimes because they're not gonna evaluate everything the same as you again because you don't know their hand. But it's better than not doing it at all. One thing that I really like to do, and this is one of my political tricks, is. Let's say it's it, let's say it's the Dragon Lord Silumgar situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where if it attacks with other dragons, it's going to give minus X minus X, which were each of the attacking dragons, and you have a bunch of three threes, and I have three dragons on the battlefield. I'll play Dragon Lord Silumgar, and immediately while they're processing it, turn and be like, "Don't worry, I'm not going to attack with three, and then just keep playing. And this by doing that small thing, the person yeah. that is the most worried about it, all of a sudden goes, "Okay, well I don't need a board wipe right now. I'll wait on it because I still have some free attacks." And it's sort of the kind of like unknown, like sort of under the table, like, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wipe your board. Don't come at me. And you kind of try and imply that, but you immediately try and find the person that you're gonna threaten the most and make friends with them, give them that little bit of a breathing room, even if you're gonna turn the tables on them in a later point. Yeah, and knowing that you need to do that lets you sort of react to it before everyone has a chance to. So you're saying that before the other pe- two players can get in, yeah, and say, hey, that's gonna. You've already said. And now it's sort of too late. You got sort of the first word in and they're like, well, yeah, he is. No, he just said he's not going to. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, but you can't make that play if you don't first consider, okay, well, what, how are the other players going to react? Each other player going to react? Because otherwise you got to play it and then wait and see how they react and yeah. then try and talk about it. And that's the be too worst, late. by the way, to yeah. be like, I'm going to play this and be like meekly yeah. sitting there and looking around and being like, okay, you guys get to decide how everyone feels about this. You know, it's your card. You understand what the situation that you're bringing that birthing this card into this world. You should be able to try and mitigate a little bit of that reaction at the very least. Even like I've seen so many times where like if someone is on my side and I know that like we're kind of allies, they'll play a card. They'll be like, "Wow, that's such a cool card!" Wow, everyone marvel how great that card is. Not the <laughs> negative sides of it, just to like try and stem the flow of someone getting salty or someone like building up an anger towards that or that player. All right, we've got one more t- tip. 
I, again, this is something we should have said on a future on a past episode, but we just never have. I don't think you should basically be pr- prioritizing survival above everything else. So we're not like the other formats where sometimes you want to advance your board position or whatever. There are many points in the game where you look and you go, "Well, if this happens, I die." Yeah, that means you need to just con- you need to just concentrate on getting yourself out of that situation. Not if this happens, I win. Just don't die because commander games are long. It's really a marathon. You win a lot of games just by being the one that didn't die. Yeah. You don't, you still, you win games by, by taking the throne as a word. And being winner. But there are a lot of games you just sort of back into the win by just like, I blunted this threat. I stopped that from coming at me. And before I knew it, those two went at each other and I was just kind of the last person standing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how you want to play three player games, right? is just to put the shields up and hope that two people find some kind of feud because picking off the last person standing is a lot easier than trying to take everyone else on. Yep. And it works in four player too because a lot of times two people fight. Then you're sort of in a similar situation where, well, the, the it's you and the other person, but somebody's going to maybe jump in on that. And if it's not you, then, you yeah. Know. that's what I also love in that situation looking to the person that's not fighting being like, ho, ho. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a four-player game. There's a lot. It's not like a, a polite family dinner sometimes when everyone sits and makes sure everyone can be heard. There's a lot of crosstalk that happens. And in game nights, you don't see it as much because we try to not speak over each other. But it's, it can be really chaotic if things are happening. Someone's like spending their, all their energy looking at the board state. This guy's just bored out of his gourd, looking on his phone. Perfect time to slip in there and start putting up your political walls and stuff. Yeah. So I think that that can be a tough thing when you're coming from the other formats. But one of the things to really remember is not dying. Make the play, especially in the mid to late game, yeah. where you're safe from being dead. That's why. Even you- if it's like, well, that's not going to win me the game. That's okay because you need to remember the other players can win the game for you yeah. by basically eliminating each other or making it such a knockdown drag out fight that like I eliminated you but I'm just so hurt by you know I'm just Previously limping wounded, away from that yeah. battle that I'm that I it just takes like one little like bing and yeah. you're out yeah yeah it's just a flesh wound <laughs> yeah it's an interesting point I think people like to prioritize winning and it's something that i think we all fall into i obviously fall into that trap too where it's like you know what ah screw it i'm just gonna do this craig is one of those players i think that's like oh whatever i'll have fun for a turn if it doesn't work it doesn't work but i'm not going to be upset about it yep but for me and that's why you play propaganda and ghostly prisons in a lot of your decks which is just stopping 10 damage in the early game is going to make a huge difference in the late game Yep. And there have been so many times where I look at the life counter totals and being at the low on this on the lower half of it, that might be a good tip. Try to always be on the upper half of the life totals. If there is, for instance, a thirty, a thirty-five, a twenty, and a fifteen, you don't want to be the fifteen and the twenty. You want to be above it. It's gonna give you a lot more leverage. It's gonna let you control the board more in a lot of different ways. And people that are threatened by you, for instance, like you played a flyer when I was at a low life total. I was like, I, I'm, I'm going to do whatever Josh asks me if he asks me right now. Because <laughs> I have to. He doesn't know that. <laughs> I mean, maybe he does. But if, it, if an offer comes my way, I'll maybe think about it. But I'm ultimately probably going to agree with whatever he's going to propose. Yeah, because you have less flexibility because you just can't afford to be taking yeah, hits. You're yeah. not going to be. Yeah, it's like you're going to hit me with a 5-5. Five, five? Oh, gosh, that's like a quarter of my life total at this point. All right. Those All are right. our 10 bits of advice. Random advice. Random glad, advice. You know, it feels good to get some of those off, you know, off our chest here because there's been little pieces where it's like, I don't know in the course of normal discussion how we're going to throw this in there. But, you know, there's some stuff we've just never said that seems like we should have. <laughs> like, play your ramp first. Play your ramp early. That's what ramp is for. Yeah. So that later you can cast a lot of stuff or big stuff. Play ramp. How play that? ramp. Uh, Not a bad idea. To the listeners, what random bits of advice do you have? Um that you would like to share that maybe we can talk about on a future episode. Yeah, like we drew this. a lot of these from Twitter, uh, from conversations that we've had in real life. Uh, I would love to see people have these conversations in real life and then bring those tips to us as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the comments section is below, and it's always a welcome place to post stuff like that. So please post that instead of uh, angry things. I like positivity. It makes me happier to do my job. <laughs> Just saying. I've been you doing... know what makes me happy? Oh, boy. When people go to cardkingdom.com oh, yeah. slash command zone. I thought you were going straight to the Masters of Modern. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and they use our affiliate link, and they order their magic cards because, hey, all you guys are going to order magic cards anyway. Yep. You may as well order using the affiliate link, and it will keep alive content that you like, like this podcast yeah. and game nights. Revel in riches. It's a good card. Pick it up right now. 
foil right revel and riches. That's actually I, I think that card's gonna get it's gonna be one of those cards that just over the years you're like you know what I've been playing a lot revel and riches. I just yeah. been putting in a or lot every of time decks. it comes out it just it just does yeah. work yeah oh, it just does work. Uh, our other sponsor for the show of course Ultra Pro Ultra Pro International they do awesome things obviously play mats you're looking at Ultra Pro product every time you go play Magic. And they do a great job with the new Eclipse sleeve. So make sure that when you guys go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, you buy some of that stuff. Okay, great. Also, make sure you check out our sister podcast. That's Are we the just skipping map. over the end step? Excuse oh, me. Oh, we got Excuse end step. Me. I was skipping. I was, I was skipping yeah. over because I don't have anything. Nothing. You've got nothing. How about let's talk about your Sriracha obsession recently. <laughs> How many shirts did you buy? About four or five. Wow. Um, yeah, I went to the fr- Sriracha factory. That I didn't was even cool. know that, that that exists. Yeah, it's and it turns out that it's like half an hour from my house. Oh my goodness! So we just match made in heaven. My girlfriend, who clearly I was meant to be with forever, because she just <laughs> one day said, "Hey, I got us uh, a tour at the Sriracha factory." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, we're going on Saturday." So we just went over and got a tour. The funny thing is, you, we walked in and there's because they're processing like peppers. Yeah. And immediately we were with a, a group and they're all like. <laughs> And I was like, and I could feel a little tickle in my throat, like, because it's just peppers in the air. But then after like three or four minutes, nobody's anything. Like, everybody gets used to it. Wow. It's pretty interesting. I, I just would have started sweating immediately. <laughs> <laughs> just been like, oh, uh, I need a towel. I yeah, excuse towel. me. Can I get a sriracha themed <laughs> towel? Yeah. Um, so. Unfortunately, this is the last of Josh's sriracha shirt marathon. Um, yeah, this so is it. You'll see some reruns in the future, though, I'm sure. <laughs> it's true. I only have so many shirts. I try and buy more shirts for the show. I recycle shirts all the time, and I get to wear like VGHS shirts randomly too. I I'm, I, I cheat a little bit. I try to not uh, have you know cool. wear a shirt that I've already worn, but that's I can't keep that up. We've done this for three years. That is near impossible. But we've only been on video for what a year and a half now. That's like still like a hundred episodes. It's only fifty two weeks of the year, Jimmy. Oh boy, I don't <laughs> want to buy fifty two shirts. <laughs> all right, uh, what was oh. That was you, thank you know you what else is spicy. You know what what's spicy? Yeah, they do have some spicy brews. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter on at DMMcast and right next to us on Collected.Company. Oh, that was oh not you good. missed. You missed hard. By the way, that's my camera. Just you know, just be careful, please. Thank you. <laughs> Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He's actually in this room as we speak, filming us for some cool behind-the-scenes content, He's as right always. I also apologize. This episode and the last one were a little bit shorter, but that's because I am in China still, somehow. Um, but recording three in, in a row is uh, the last time we did this. We got very negative and delusional by the end. Yeah. And uh, that was a blast. Now actually. we're just delusional. We're not now negative. we're definitely delusional. The funny thing is, as soon as Jimmy lands, literally that day or the very next day, we're shooting another game nights. Oh, yeah, the next day. So yeah. rest up, dude. Yeah, I'm going to rest up. Dang it. <laughs> All of that. That whole time. Oh. Anyway, make sure you check out the video versions of these podcasts at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Uh, it's a blast. And uh, the uh, Jeffrey Palmer does the awesome oh, living, card uh, living card animations. Yeah. Yeah, you can find him online at uh, twitter.com slash livingcardsmtg. <laughs> uh, congrats, Jeffrey. You uh, are now working at Channel Fireball. That's very exciting for you. Oh, my God. How are we missing? We're, the f- we're really bad. <laughs> we both play basketball, too, so this yeah. is beyond um, bad. If you don't know what we're doing on the oh, yeah. audio version, we're crumpling up our show notes from all three of the episodes that we've oh. had today. This is how we have how many uh, episodes we recorded today. We have this many pages of outline. Yeah, and actually right. some of them even went bye bye. We still have not hit the lens yet, by the I way. All right, oh, <laughs> not even close. All right, we have one more try. I'll tear no, this. you got that one. No, no, no. I, I need the note on this <laughs> no, one. No, that's fine. No, I actually wrote something on it for later. <laughs> okay, I'm keeping this one. Okay, this is for now. real. Here we, right, go. here we go. Here we go. You or me? You. Okay. Embarrassing. <sighs> Oh, no. Got it. No. All right. Well, you have to tie me now because we both have one more shot each. Okay, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> Change my angle. Oh, it's just horrible. Here, you get one it's more. Horrible. It's horrible. It's <laughs> horrible. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching my yeah. disgraceful. But you hit it, though. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I did hit it. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of all of you out there, too. Uh, now, moving on to the end step where we're talking about something outside <laughs> the world of magic. We're getting delirious now. Josh, what happened to your basketball skills? 
This is not basketball. This is more like baseball. I'm not a good baseball player. Oh, okay. Those like, don't translate because you you were saying basketball and golf translate, but oh, you know my theory that good golfers are good shooters in basketball. Shooters, okay, gotcha. Because it's not repetitive motion. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. That's cool, just cool, a theory. Cool, 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 cool. Good theory, good theory, good theory, good theory, good theory, good theory. Okay, good theory, good theory. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> peace, 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 peace. I thought it you were saying P for a while. It doesn't work as like, good with peace. Peep, 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 peep. Don't worry, we're not getting delirious. (laughs) If you're still listening, good for you. Also, you have way too much time on your hands. Go watch Stranger Things 2. It's it's been out for like three weeks now? Go watch it again. What if it's bad? Oh, man, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. You know what I know will be good? We're still going. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown will be good. Oh, Guaranteed. Yeah. She's yeah. lights She's out. Incredible. She's I cannot believe someone at that age has such depth of emotion. And it's incredibly cool to see someone like that because so many times you see the the sad tales of what happens to kids in Hollywood. Like the Drew Barrymore's of the yeah, world true. that gets well, sucked into. Well, I hope Millie Bobby Brown can avoid that. She's, I think she will. She seems like she has a good head on her shoulders. Her she's parents, still in the maelstrom now, so we'll, we'll, we won't know for about 10 years. True, true. That's a good point. Um, as long as her parents you know, also have a level head on their shoulders, I think she's got a good shot. I don't know. Can we end this now? Yeah, we can end this now. All, All right. right. Bye, guys. See ya. I mean, peace. 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 Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because... It can bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.